Greetings, Magnificent Souls, the Lily Buley podcast, where we have open and honest discussions about ourselves. This is your host, Lily Buley, and I'm honored to have conversations here with thought leaders, visionaries, healers, and even solo conversations with myself about things I am currently reflecting on. This is a place where we break down, break away, and break through our emotional trauma, allowing ourselves to be healthy, be happy, and live a peaceful life. We are tired of being sick and tired. We are tired, but we are not giving up. We know that there is something magnificent inside of us. And because we are fighting daily, hourly, and by the minute, fighting ourselves, our kids, our spouses, we have to do things differently. We have to break the cycle. We don't have a million chances. We have to be happy now. We have to find a way. So how do we do that? How is that possible? If you look around at what society is telling you, they tell you that what we're doing is impossible, yet it's happening every single day, and it's happening through the practice and the love that we call awakening the magnificent soul. We are all magnificent souls, and these are our stories of healing. Today in episode 108, I welcome Irene Lyon to the show to chat about transforming trauma with the nervous system. Don't forget to let me know your thoughts about this episode or anything you would like me to cover on future podcasts at epiphanyvault.com. Remember, it is a safe place and I would welcome the discussion. And also a request, if you are enjoying the show, please rate and share so we can get the word out to more and more souls who want to heal. And on to the show today. My guest today, Irene Lyon, MSC, is a nervous system expert and teaches people around the world how to work with the nervous system to transform trauma, heal body and mind, and live full, creative lives. To date, her online programs have reached thousands of people in over 90 countries. Irene has a master's degree in biomedical and health science, and also has a knack for making info easy for all of us to understand and apply to our lives. I know you're going to enjoy this conversation with Irene Lyon. Irene, my friend, I'm so excited you're here today to talk about all things nervous system trauma. I'm so excited. Yes, that's what we're going to talk about. Yes. Good to meet you, Lily. (laughs) Nice to meet you as well. It's such a pleasure. Yeah. Uh, Like we were talking before, I geek out about the nervous system. Um, We didn't chat about this, but it Mm. was one of, it was the like almost the key uh, for me that really catapulted me into this like next level of healing because I had done a lot of um, self-work, work work on myself, read the Mm -hmm. books, listened to the podcasts, and I hit a wall. And when I found out what we'll talk about today about the nervous system, polyvagal theory, and how it all connects with emotional trauma, it really within support took me to the next level of everything, money, relationships, love, and all that stuff. So I'm honored to have you here. It's going to be amazing. Um, Let's start. Let's lay some groundwork. Um, What is the nervous system and why is it important? Well, um, the one thing I'll start off with is the nervous, there's many nervous systems. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, that's kind of one of the first things I guess we can dive into is that we have, um, I'll break it down into main, the two main ones. And then from there, there's like numerous branches off of one of them. So the central nervous system is the brain and the spinal cord. So we're talking like just anatomy now, and we all kind of know what that is. Um, 
very understandably brain is in our skull and the, the spinal cord, we know what that is. The peripheral nervous system is everything that comes out of the brain and the spinal cord. Mm. And so it's kind of fun if you actually look up a, an image on Google or whatever, and you see just these branches that come out. If you've ever gone, like, did you ever go to that um, I forget what, body world or world? It's where you saw like cadavers on mm. display. Did no, you ever they see didn't have that here? Well, I didn't, I didn't know. I did not. Visit. The only <laughs> dead tra- body I see, I've seen is like frogs. And- okay. Well, it traveled the world. I can't remember the name of it, but um, it wasn't, it was so cool. Cause they, if you like that kind of thing, cause they had muscles and, mm. and, and bones, but the nervous system like display was so wild because our nerves are, are almost translucent, except for when they're really big, they're quite white. Mm. And when you look at this dissected nervous system, it's quite chunky, obviously brain spinal cord. And then as these peripheral nerves come out, they become like roots in the Mm. ground. They just kind of dissolve and then they're nothing. And so if you think about the peripheral, this peripheral nervous system that comes out, you've got the cranial nerves that come out of the brain. One of those is the vagus nerve. And then coming out of the spinal cord, like I've got some liquid in front of me. I've got a cup of coffee and some water. Like to pick this up, I need my peripheral nervous system to do the motor movement. Mm -hmm. My brain, of course, central nervous system says, Irene, pick it up. But I don't have to think about it. It just happens the sensation, like this is a warm thing of water. So I can feel sense and I can hold it because it's safe. If this was scalding hot, mm-hmm. I would, I, I wouldn't touch it. Right. I wouldn't do that. So I say that as an example, because this, this peripheral nervous system, it governs our ability to move sense and all those things. And then in addition, it's also our survival. So this is where we get into what most people I think think about when they think nervous system or mention it is the autonomic nervous system. Mm -hmm. So the autonomic nervous system is that peripheral. So part of the peripheral is the autonomic nervous system. And then the sensory motor with my little cup example is the other part of the peripheral. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, So the autonomic nervous system does two things. One, fight, flight, and freeze, being very basic here, but our survival. So thing is coming at me, I'm going to protect my head. Um, Shocking news, it's too much for me to handle. I'm going to go into kind of a numbed out, shut down, freezy state. Um, Something's coming at me, I might run away from it. So fight, flight, freeze, I think most of us know what those are. Um, freeze is the one that is a little less talked about as you might know. And that one is our biggest culprit in human civilization, Western civilization. So we can talk about that. Mm -hmm. Um, so fight, flight, freeze, we need it survival. The other responsibility of the autonomic nervous system is our digestion, our immune system, our, our hormones, our sex hormones, our heart rate our blood pressure, our pupil dilation, sweating, um, shivering. So anything autonomic. So if I take a drink of my liquid, I don't have to think about how that's going to move, maneuver down Mm. into my intestines, into my kidneys to produce urine, if it was food to produce feces, all these things. 
So the autonomic nervous system is all the automatic stuff. Mm -hmm. And then the thing that happens that is problematic for us humans is that because the autonomic nervous system governs the fight, flight, freeze, and it also governs these basic essential functions, organ systems, metabolism, et cetera, when the system is co-opted and always in fight, flight, freeze, what do you think happens to the other systems that it's responsible for? Response doesn't happen okay. or it happens in a very, very sluggish way. Mm -hmm. So this is why mm -hmm. we know when someone is living in complex, let's say post-traumatic stress, chronic anxiety, depression in a really crappy environment, toxic relationship, war zone, the system is looking for danger or is defending the danger or is in shutdown. And then all the other human needs of digestion and immunity and hormone release. And it just gets kind of forgotten. It's like the, 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 the housekeeper or the janitor only is showing up because there's an absolute disaster, not mm -hmm. to maintain every day, the cleaning and the dusting and the garbage, for example, to use that analogy. And so, um, you know, if there's a fire, they're going to be focused on the fire and not worried about dusting and making sure the water is running properly and the, the light bulbs are all fresh and all that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So that is a very long way of saying, what is the nervous system? It is many things. Um, there's those sort of two core ones. And then the autonomic nervous system, which I'll not get into quite yet, um, that then has different branches, mm. sympathetic, parasympathetic, and that's where the vagus nerve comes in. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. I think you've been talking about the nervous system for a while now from what, what I can see. And I've, mm -hmm. I've followed you for a while. Um, so I think that that's coming more into the, and it's being more accepted now with like the new research coming out mm -hmm. about healing and about healing trauma and like this state of stuckness or about success or creativity or whatever yeah. it is. What. I, I don't know if you agree, but what I see is we know now enough that it's our nervous system, maybe that like that, and this was the case for me. So I knew enough in my head that, that it, it, like I was doing all the things and then the nervous system, like I said, was the key is the nervous system, something that you can control, like is knowing what that, what it is, what the culprit is or what have you enough. I don't no. think it is, but yeah, I, no. I, I figured <laughs> <laughs> I wish it was. Yeah. No, it's not. Um, it's not. Well, it's important to first know what it is and understand it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the common kind of case for why we don't need to do this work is, well, if you just get back into nature and into the natural way of living, everything will just take care of itself the way animals in the wild are you know the classic thing is animals in the wild don't get post-traumatic stress or they don't get chronic illness and that's true but it's also because if they get an injury or if they've been hunted and injured they die mm -hmm. they're not they're not being put up onto life support mm -hmm. they're not getting you know counseling to help them manage the the, the that potential death of being attacked by a, a predator above them um 
babies like in the in the wild so cubs and little animals mammals if they're not perfect they don't survive mm-hmm, true. you have to understand that and so here us humans we're kind of weird because we're we're animal we have the animal physiology I mean, my parents were both veterinarians. I watched surgery all the time. Everything is the same in there, you know, especially with, you know, felines and canines, cows a little different, but, you know, most of the big mammals are, we have the same physiology. We have the same nervous system, even the same, the muscles, but then we have this thing, the brain that we actually don't really still know where it came from in humans. Like, I don't know if people really get that, Interesting. you know, do you know what I'm saying there? Like there's this theory of evolution and then there's some other theories that are a little less, you know, (laughs) they're, they're not as accepted. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's like, well, we've got this brain, look at all of this stuff sitting in front of us, computer, phone, airplanes, Mm-hmm. all the food, all the, all the things that we've created, the music, the Shakespeare, the literature, it's like, it's pretty wild. We're the only species that has done that, at least here on planet earth. And it's like, well, there's a there's an issue with that when we have an animal physiology that needs to be tended to. And so it's super important for people to understand that because we're not living in that animal natural world, we actually have to do things to help this nervous systems of ours thrive. Mm. It's not enough for someone who's lived. I mean, I'm 46. Uh, I started to really get into this work in 2004 ish, eight, you know, depending on when you consider my start was after my science degrees and there's no way if I hadn't have gotten into this work, I would have healed what we would call the insidious traumas of Western civilization. Mm. Right. And I think a lot of the things that happen, uh, what happens Lily, and I, this just happened the other day with someone I was talking to, um, they, they said, gosh, well, maybe I, I don't really have any trauma, but maybe I should try one of your courses she's a little older than me, early fifties. It was more of a, a personal business relationship. And I'm like, yeah. And, and she kind of laughed. She goes, good, but I guess we all have trauma. Don't we? I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> just living as a human on this planet. Even if you had loving parents, food, shelter, running water, and you never saw anything bad happen to you or mm-hmm. around you, I should say the culture, the conditioning, the school system, the way we've been socialized, all of that is deeply, I don't want to say traumatic, but it's jarring Mm -hmm. on our physiology. And so I think it's super important to really convey that to people because I'm finding more and more that um, we're using the word trauma a bit too much. And I think the words that need to be used more are nervous system health. And the reason why is because we've been taught um, in the last hundred years to bow to the medical establishment and to science and to research, nothing. And I love the medical stuff or like I have two knees that if I hadn't had surgery, I'd be a cripple in a wheelchair. Mm. 
right? So there's certain things in medical stuff that's really good and important. You know, if I have a car accident and I have a broken bone, I'm going to want to go to the hospital and get them to fix it. But the way in which we've sort of bleached, if I use that word kind of metaphorically, the human people from thinking that they have the capacity to heal is, is stupendous. Like we've really taught people, you have no control over your body. There's no way that you can heal it naturally. That's quackery. That's uh, witch, whatever, you know, snake oil salesman. I've been called, I've been called all the names <laughs> in the book. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you're right. And it's because people have been told they don't have the ability to heal themselves mm -hmm. naturally. Mm -hmm. But this is the part that goes back to this is my very long way of answering your question. Um, if we don't learn about our system and learn how to work with this peripheral nervous system that I talked about, it's more than just the autonomic nervous system. If we don't learn how to work with that peripheral nervous system. We, we won't heal naturally because we're stuck in a conditioned response of not letting our um, survival responses complete and release and then the other portion that's a real mess is the fact that there's no standardized agreement on how to raise a human being. Mm. That's critical. No bear in Canada and bear in Russia are going to parent their cubs differently. Wow. Right? Yeah, I never thought of it like that. If you had a golden retriever dog and I had a golden retriever dog and she had puppies, we could probably watch the exact same process take place. Mm. and 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 that's why again granted there's not an abusive situation with the dogs they're they're not kept in poor situations all those things right mm. but there's this they know what to do innately you know when their little babies come out their cubs their puppies or kittens but humans used to know that and then we've <laughs> inserted domestic domestication right? We've inserted industry, we've inserted medical, we, we would call it the medicalization of birth, not letting um, uh, the mothers even stay awake during childbirth. Like back in the day, you'd put them under. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That was like the more advanced thing to do. There'd be none, none of that feeling, none of that connection. Um, so when you really look at that as well, you then have to say, we have to really relearn how to be in our systems and nurture our systems and especially this nervous system and all the things that connect mm, to it. Yeah. I hope I'm making sense. Yeah. It's just, it's so complex. It's yes. so complex. <laughs> it's very complex. Uh, that's what's coming up for me is that I, I didn't even, um, I think about a lot of things, girl, but I didn't think about what you're talking about. And, but that makes sense about the nurturing, um, you know, I always say that with the people that I work with is your experience matters and you may not like your personal experience matters. Mm -hmm. um, let's go to trauma. Mm -hmm. um, again, like it's one of those things where it's so great that people are talking about it now. Yeah. And then I think maybe the next step is, is just refining what it is, how it works, mm -hmm. what's really happening, what's not really happening mm -hmm. and all of that stuff. So I love that distinction, distinction that you made with trauma and nervous system health. Yeah. Um, so let's start with what is trauma 
And then maybe we can move into what's missing with what's out there right now and then go into the nervous system health that you're talking about. Yeah, well, there's kind of different ways that you could define trauma. Um, Mm -hmm. Most people, when they hear it, will think that it's some event. It's an accident. It's an attack. It's a natural disaster, that kind of thing. Um, And that's true. And then it really comes down to how is that event? How is that bad thing landing in the person's physiology? Mm. So I'll give you an example. Like if you have one person, person A and person B, and let's just say person A and person B get into the exact same car accident, like really benign fender bender, Mm -hmm. there's no damage. You don't even need to get insurance papers. It's just really simple but it was enough to kind of jolt the person and go, Mm -hmm. shit, you know, that sucks. Mm -hmm. Person A walks away totally fine. No troubles. They might be just pissed because, you know, maybe it was their mistake, you know, (laughs) that kind of thing. Um, Or maybe it wasn't, but it doesn't matter, but they really are fine. They have no fear of getting back into their car. They don't have any whiplash. Their digestion is fine. All these things. Person B gets into the exact same car accident and they walk away and they're an absolute wreck. Mm -hmm. They're nervous. They're, they can't drive. They can't sleep that night. Their digestion goes all wonky. They get a cold the next day. They snap at their kids Mm -hmm. and then slowly over weeks and months, they end up with what we would label as chronic pain or complex PTSD or fibromyalgia or, a, or an autoimmune condition. And I know this seems, sounds really like extreme, but I've, I've seen it. Mm-hmm. My colleagues have seen this and what is happening is like, well, if trauma is in the event, how come both people aren't having the same outcome? But the reason why is because person B had a different, had a more, we would say dysregulated nervous system to begin with. And person A had a more resilient, robust, self-regulating system. Mm-hmm. If we take it one step further, back to my example about the cubs and the puppies and the kittens, chances are person A had a nurturing mom or parent. They were, they were attuned to, they were listened to, All whereas person B was neglected. And they don't have to, it doesn't have to have been like horrible abuse with physical abuse and sexual abuse and all that. It could just be a mom that had her own troubles Mm -hmm. and didn't know how to read her little baby when baby was hungry or when baby came or when toddler was there wanting to do something fun. And she's afraid of that energy because she doesn't know how to have that own, that energy herself. Or when a kid is five and they come home with a, you know, a silly drawing that makes no sense. And the mom is like, well, that doesn't look like anything. Mm. I mean, you can understand that, but mm-hmm. some parents don't though well, that, that you're not coloring in the lines. That's not good. That's not an A plus. So I say that because a lot of folks think, well, I didn't have any trauma, but then when I start to give some of these examples of school and rules, mm-hmm. go to your room, if you're crying or if you're going to you know, cry, I'm going to give you something to cry about. Mm-hmm. You know, that was a common one that I know people had. And so we can sit here, Lily, for five hours and, <laughs> and give people all the scenarios of what is actually quite abusive, verbally, emotionally toxic, 
in a very civilized world that we accept as normal, but actually it's absolutely damaging that person be. Yep. And so that's my entry into what is trauma. It's not necessarily the event. It's what is occurring in a person's physiology in relationship to the environment. Now, if it is, if it's a, uh, almost die car accident or the, you know, war zone, then that might be different. But I've met folk who have been to war or who have been in massive accidents and with a regulated nervous system going in, they actually, you know, of course there might be some aches and pains due to a broken bone or a plate in their femur or something that's typical, but they get on with their lives. Mm -hmm. They don't stay trapped in victim identification. They move through. And so that's one way of talking about trauma. And then the other would be kind of more classic, um, we would call it early developmental trauma. I kind of alluded to that with that idea of the little baby that's maybe not tended to and they're crying. But then there's things that a lot of people don't think about like um, in utero stress. Mm -hmm. And it isn't again, because mom is drinking and going you know, on benders every night. It's maybe she has a situation where she's tending to a sick parent while she's pregnant. Mm -hmm. And there's strain with her husband, not because they don't like each other, but because he's stressed because he might lose his job. Like there's lots of things. And then there's birth trauma. Did baby have an easy birth? Was it a C-section? Were they yanked out with a vacuum? Were you preemie? That constitutes as early developmental trauma. Mm -hmm. Did baby come out and they needed an, an, an emergency operation right away because of a hernia or a broken bone? Like there's so many things that we don't think of as traumatic, um, but actually when you're that young, it imprints in the somatic system because you can't make sense of what's happening. Everything is just scary and bad mm -hmm. and it's felt in the body. And then the other um, trauma kind of uh, category, if you will, would, and I've sort of mentioned it, but that'd be like chronic stress are nine to, I mean, it's not even nine to five now for many, it's like seven to mm. it's like 7am to 10pm. You know, <laughs> It's like, we work so much. We don't get outside enough into the, into natural light. We're in front of these blue screens, um, food, just that, that year after year, decade after decade, lack of, um, healing and repair that we really need. Um, so yeah, shock traumas that are kind of accident-based, um, that early kind of trauma, developmental traumas, the chronic insidious stress. And then there's these little categories like medical trauma, um, near death experience trauma, people um, who almost die actually experience a lot of not just psychological, mm -hmm. but physiological troubles because the system doesn't know that it's still alive. A lot of people that almost die never actually land that, oh, I'm still here. Like they're kind of caught between the worlds. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's wild. It's wild. <laughs> um, yeah, those are like the big ones. If, if I'm sure I've missed some, but yeah, really big ones. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What, thank you for that. Um, yeah. Super helpful. So <clears throat> what, what are people missing? Do you think about what we know about trauma now and about all the Instagram posts and <laughs> Don't even get me started. Oh, I'm starting you. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> so I'll just I'm like put my head down. And... 
<laughs> well, because this is what I'm noticing. Um, yeah, I want to, I want to, I want to pick out what you're saying, and maybe I don't know if that is, we've explicitly saying, but you keep saying like the physiology. You keep saying, yeah. you keep bringing it back to the physiology, the body. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Um, and I think personally, that's what I think most people are missing right now mm-hmm. is 100%. again, it's, it's like that, that, that gap between knowing what to do or knowing what it is and actually being regulated or actually, you know, um, being flexible in your nervous system and things like that. So, um, yeah, I'd love to, to break some myths with you right here. Uh, yeah, let's do it. Well, I mean, the first two that come to mind, if I think about like the Instagram world, I mean, I'm on Instagram, I really like it but I'm very cautious about what and how I post because I see people really want to be told what to do. Mm. And that is a result of our school system. Mm-hmm. The educational you know? trauma, you. I mean, there, yeah, great. Educational. <laughs> I mean, that, oh, that was the other one I missed. Religious trauma. That's mm. a good one as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's a good point. I never even <laughs> just gave me an idea. Oh yeah. Trauma. <laughs> yeah. So, I can talk you know, more about that too. Oof. Yeah. Oh yeah. We um, all can. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, well, the reason I say that is because, because, and I just did an, a lecture on this, on the difference between survival self-care compared to, I, I called it repair self-care. Mm. And it was really interesting because I did that lecture on YouTube and it takes us usually a day or two to get the timestamps up, you know? Mm-hmm. And I've never seen so many people comment, where are the timestamps? Where like, I could feel the frantic nature of it. Like, what's that all about? And then I went, oh, cause oh. I, was in, I was in fitness and nutrition for like 12 years before I got into this work. Like they want, they want me to, they want the step. They want to know what they're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And if you watch that lecture, I'd never say what to do. It's more about uh, parenting Mm. because the reason why most folk don't know how to take care of themselves is we have really done a shitty job at teaching kids, little humans, how to clean, how to cook, how to take care of their space. We call it chores, you know, as opposed to just living in a, in a human Western world or like self-care or self-love self-care, you know, like the, the whole thing about a routine for a little one is actually really important. Mm. And yet if you've ever been in households where there's tension and there isn't an understanding of the nervous system, evenings are hell in some households, Mm -hmm. mornings are terrible. It's this, it's this tug of war to get these kids to take care. It's like, why is that? And I think there's just been this pressure, like they expect it's going to be a chore to do this. And it's like, why, why, did, why have we done that? Where did that start? You know, because again, if we think of animals, you don't have to tell them to lick themselves and clean themselves. Mm. Dogs are a little different. Cats are a bit better at that, but like, they're always cleaning and grooming themselves. It's interesting. So interesting. Um, but some of the myths. I think one of the ones is you mentioned that I talk about the physiology a lot. So emotional trauma is one that I, I don't like that term Mm. because emotions to me are just neutral, just like passing gas 
and burping and gurgles in your stomach, getting flush, you know, hot and, and sweating when it's hot or shivering when it's cold, they're just part of our physiological expression of what's happening. But we sort of given these terms, negative emotion, positive emotion, which I just can't stand. It's like, yes, one has a little more energy and one is a little more subdued, but they're just on the spectrum of neutrality. Like a, a lion or a tiger isn't going to, you know, or a chimp, you know, if we go to primates, they're not gonna say, oh, I'm, I'm having fun. This is a good emotion. And then threat comes and, you know, they, they, they hiss, that's a bad, they're just, they're just acting based on what they need to do in their environment. And so, and it's interesting because I did an, a video on why emotions are neutral and one on why there's no such thing as emotional trauma. And I got mm. really hit hard with, from some folk. Wow. It's like, but here's the thing. The trauma is in that physiology. It's in the dysregulation of the survival patterns. Is a person stuck in fight? Are they stuck in freeze and collapse? Are they cycling between both? Because that will dictate a person's ability to sense their internal physiology, which is where the emotions arise from. If you really track emotion, it's not the word that we use. It's a sensation that starts from the visceral organs. Yes. It ain't coming from the big toe. Like you might feel an ouch if you stub your toe, mm. but it's the shift. It's the, it's the sizzle or the shimmer through the body that you feel that is a full peripheral nervous system response. Mm -hmm. And so that is the one thing that drives me a little mad. And it, it makes me know when someone actually knows whether or not they know mm. what this stuff is, is when they're just emotional trauma, emotional, it's like, uh, you can have verbal abuse. You can have emotional abuse, gaslighting, narcissism, the things that kids deal with that put them into fight. It's always though, it's always, it's the survival fight, flight, freeze, or a combo of those mm -hmm. collapse. Um, so that's one thing mm. is, is that I've really seen Lily when my students learn how to be in their peripheral nervous system and master it, the emotions just start to come naturally. Like the anger that was so depressed and suppressed since they were little, like infants starts to come out, you know, the, 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 um, the sympathetic adrenalized survival stress, that's their default might start to chill a bit more. They might start to know how to be a bit more engaged mm -hmm. with themselves, you know, very kind of socially engaged. That is the stuff that starts to heal. And then when that heals, the emotions just, they flow as they mm -hmm. should. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Totally. Totally. I think, yeah, I love that reframe on emotional trauma and I'm going to have to chew that one up a little bit. Cause I think you're right. Um, cause it doesn't make emotions neutral. It makes it bad. Yeah. That's, that's a great insight. It's, a, it's like the tiniest distinction. Yeah, I get it. But, and, and, and the reason why is in having worked with as many people as I have, either in private practice or in the group sessions that I used to teach or in my online stuff, um, to try to chase a specific emotion and, and have someone figure it out 
it, it doesn't, it doesn't compute with the physical somatic experience. Mm-hmm. You tell them these are the, the basic emotions of humans and mammals and yes, be on the lookout for them. And the one that I think is probably the hardest. So we, I spend a little bit more time is anger mm-hmm. and healthy aggression. Cause we just haven't seen a display of healthy aggression in the human civilization yet. Truth. Like you see some of it, some places, um, but it's rarely contained. That's why we have violence. That's why we have war. That's mm-hmm. why we have abusive kids, animals, the environment. Um, so anger is the one that is a little trickier, but most people know what sadness is. Most people know what grief is, happiness, even disgust. People feel that pretty mm-hmm. cleanly, but the anger one has the, been the one that I think has been washed out of us. For mo- and some people, it's not the case. Some people, they know how to feel their anger. But as a general rule, it's been the one that has really been conditioned out of us very much due to that whole aristocracy, be perfect, don't say anything, keep everything tight and right, mm-hmm. you know, the stiff British upper lip. Mm-hmm. That's all in service of not showing our animal self. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like I was just watching Downton Abbey, which I resisted watching for like years my husband finally got me to watch it and I actually really liked it because it was super easy, but it was so interesting to watch how, like whenever the women would talk about their periods or their physical bodies, the men would be like, stop talking. <laughs> mm. I don't want to know. Like there was, there was like, you never even saw where people went to the bathroom in that show. Like you don't, I'm like, where do they go pee and poo? Like, there's no, <laughs> I don't get it. How does, you know, there, it's so, it was so divorced that this is not like what happens in here can't be shown to the men. Right. Even like giving birth was like, no, like stay out of the room. And, Mm. and so if we really trace this, this stuff, it kind of is interesting as you see how things have kind of slowly been masked and hidden and suppressed to the point where even the female doesn't even know how to connect to their own physiology. If we think of say the cycle, right? Mm, yeah, that's true. That's a, whole, that's a whole other yeah. topic. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. So, um, yeah it's so the other thing I would say that's kind of a big myth is that you have to shake to release trauma. Oh, okay. Yeah. Tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, if someone is, purporting that to heal trauma and restore regulation back to the nervous system, you have to shake or do these trauma release exercises exclusively. They don't understand a, what trauma actually is, what the nervous system is and the dysregulation and all the variation of why a person might be dysregulated. Mm -hmm. So a shaking response is in, um, terms from the somatic experiencing world and, and my mentors such as Peter Levine, Rob Scare, mm-hmm. those sorts of things, Bob Scare, is um, the deactivation of something called a procedural memory. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with procedural mm-hmm. memory? Okay, mm-hmm. great. So like, I'll give it a good, uh, easy example. Someone is attacked, they can't get away, they shut down. Mm-hmm. But within that, there is a desire to run like hell far and fast or a desire to hit the person strangle them whatever it might be and so 
in a situation like that, if that person's procedure was to run and to just get out of dodge, then yes, a shaking response might be in order. But if we think of someone like the little baby that came out and was stuck in the birth canal and almost died because of whatever, their system didn't have the running response. They're not wanting to say, you know, fuck you, get out of, you know, get out of my face. Mm-hmm. It was terror. Mm-hmm. I'm going to die, but it's not even cognitive. It's yeah. cellular death. It's like, mm-hmm. this is the end. I'm going to go into shutdown. And so in the situation like that, the last thing you want to do is put that person into a situation where you're trying to instigate a shaking response. I get and, you. I, yeah. and I know this enough from hearing people's stories and saying, yeah, I went to, I mean, the big popular one is Trey trauma release exercises. And mm-hmm. there's going to be someone who's listening to this, who's going to get really mad at me right now because it helped them. And maybe that's true. Maybe you were raped, you were attacked and you had to get that shaking out and you were connecting to the emotions and you got the emotions out. then yes. But for so many people, their trauma is early. It's developmental. It's in utero. It's near death it's, that's not the solution. It would be like giving an antibiotic to someone that has a viral infection. You would not do that. Mm -hmm. Right. And so what happens in that situation is you force, you force, I say that with quotes, this person to shake when what they really need Lily is they need to learn safety. Mm -hmm. They learn, need to learn to just be in their body, Mm -hmm. not shake and shake and I just saw uh, a comment on one of my videos yesterday. Someone said they went to a trade class and they ended up in the hospital Yeah, wow. because I don't know if it was a psychotic break or it was maybe cardiovascular, you know, a erratic, you know, erratic arrhythmias because their system couldn't handle that level of survival stress. But I've had many folks say I was in the hospital. I was bedridden. You see that also with ayahuasca ceremonies, plant medicine, psilocybin, um, uh, yeah, yeah, all that again. I'm not opposed to that for some people, it might work really well, yeah. But again, you have to understand where that person's physiology is, how much capacity do they have to handle the flood of emotions that are going to come out, or the shaking, or the absolute terror? Because a person can put themselves to death through a physiological response that's, that is mimicking that near death response that almost occurred when they were say one. Yeah. And so this is, again, that whole shaking thing is it's just too, um, it's just too much of a blanket. It's not a remedy for everyone. If that may, I hope that makes sense. Yeah. That's a great, I think for me, it brings up a lot of stuff around the old way, or maybe it's still the new way, who knows, but that old way of like, you have to relive the trauma to, to heal it. Um, it brings up like even, and I'm, I'm going to say this. I'm not a therapist. I'm a coach. (laughs) I maybe should be a therapist, but I ain't going back (laughs) to school. So that's, that's what it is. So, well, I'm um, not a therapist either. Yeah. Right. You know, right. I mean, that's, and that's, yeah, that's, that's the other thing that we could talk about, but go, sorry. I yeah, no, 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 no. But I mean, I think we're probably going down the same path, which is, um, 
that whole thing of, of, um, you know, like co-regulation is a huge part of healing. Right. And if you people try, you know, to do, and this is not me, this is just what I've heard. And what I'm thinking about for myself is that, um, like, you know, trying to, to go to ayahuasca or to do these things without the co-regulation is really would say, I know, like I'll talk to God, but if I'm doing that by myself, I'm going to be freaking the fuck out, you know, like I'm going to be so scared Mm -hmm. and I don't, you know, um, I think one of the things that I, and I'm, I have a feeling that you're on the same page with this. It's like, one of the things that I pride myself on is just meeting people where they are and not, not trying to, um, to put, like what you're talking about, these blanket things of, oh, this is going to work for you. This is going to heal you. This is the Mm -hmm. one thing. Like, I never say that I'm the one thing. Like there are a lot of people that can help you do this. Like I can take you, help take you down a path. Right. Um, so that's what, that's all the things that are coming up for me with what you said. Well, and I, what you just said about co-regulation is interesting because I've had not, it's not debate. I've had, um, I've had to correct some people around that. Mm -hmm. Because this is, this is, again, what I'm seeing with the polyvagal theory and Porges's work, which is brilliance. I teach it in my courses. Mm-hmm. Same. And the trouble that, again, this is where people are getting um, glommed on to this one thing is like, oh, it's all about connection. You have to socially engage. Well, if you're working with a human whose parents beat them and shouted at them, and never made them feel safe ever. You can't connect. You can't co-regulate with that at the beginning, right? Or you ha- sorry, you have to. You have to. They have to co-regulate with resources in their environment mm-hmm. that are healthy. If that makes sense. Yeah, and I was gonna say just like to like, <clears throat> or it is choosing the right people. That's what I like, that's my thing. That is my thing. It's like, you can have these tools, you can have, you can have this knowledge, you can do all this, like polyvagal theory is amazing. Um, and it's like the connection between polyvagal theory and how it connects to what you are experiencing and how you communicate with that, your experience, your relationship with your emotions and all that stuff. It's a whole other thing, but yeah, I'm with you on that for sure. And, and then the other thing too about the polyvagal piece, and there might be a loud truck driving by soon. Okay. <laughs> just, a, just a warning. Okay, thank you. Um, is that there's two things. I'm not gonna don't want to forget them. One, often people will say, I'm gonna wait till I feel safe to find that therapist. I'm gonna wait until I have more safety on board to start this project. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> don't do that. And the reason why is that, again, it has to feel right. You have to be drawn. But if you had that upbringing, like I described, that was horrendous and very unsafe and put you in a state of survival stress from like day one, you're not going to feel safe, even with the nicest therapist in the world. You won't. Mm -hmm. My husband of 10 years, he had that upbringing that was like that. He only finally felt safe in our home with me eight years, two years ago. Mm, Wow. We've been together for 10 years, but that doesn't mean it's not because I'm like abusing him. It's because like, that's not why, but it's because his system had known unsafety for so long in his primary home. I mean, you know, 20 years, 18 years, 
plus being in utero with his mother that was toxic, mm-hmm. you know, so it's going to take some time for him to build up that trust, but it doesn't mean that we don't have fun together and we're not watching movies together and all those things, but his cellular safety only came on a couple of years ago. Yeah. It takes so much. It takes time. Yeah. It takes time, but it can be done. That's the cool thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a good segue. Cause I don't, first of all, like I, we go deep real fast here and I can, <laughs> like this, I like, can't even believe time went by so quickly. So thank you for, for spreading your knowledge. Can I say one more thing about the polyvagal. That's yeah, important. Totally. So the other thing that often gets missed because when people hear polyvagal theory, they think it's about the vagus nerve exclusively. Mm. It's not, it's about the orchestration of our survival responses. Mm. The fancy word is phylogenically like, In other words, a threat comes at me, the first default usually is to try to engage. Mm -hmm. That's not gonna work. Um, I might try to defend, run away. If that doesn't work, I'm gonna shut down. Mm -hmm. And so what I'm seeing getting missed in those that are bringing polyvagal into their coaching work, into their somatic work, they're leaving out the survival physiology of fight and flight. Mm. So, and I used to see this when I'd be on working one-on-one with someone is they'd be laying on my table, trying to stay calm and engage, but I could feel the, the, the sympathetic under them Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. wanted to run out of the room. And so we would have to address that. So that is one portion. And that's where the anger, the fight energy, the procedural memories might need to come out is if you're trying to force someone to co-regulate and connect, but they have all this survival energy if you don't know how to work with that, then you're not ready to work with a human at that level. Mm. I'm getting a little braver at saying that because I'm seeing a lot of folks that are forcing people into this socially engaged co-regulation space, but they're not ready for it. Yep. They got to they gotta get that survival energy out first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how do you say that? Yeah. I think it's important. I'm glad. I think, yeah. Like I said, it's like this, this catch 22 of like whatever this next step is and healing the nervous system trauma, you know, all the things that we've covered today, which is like extensive. Um, and then like the next evolution, which is like, okay, what does it mean? You know, like, um, what does it mean to you personally? What's, you know, there, it maybe just not be like you're saying, just like a blanket answer. Maybe it's something specific for you. And uh, yeah, there's just, there's so much there. So yeah. much. Yeah. 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 It's not a cause and effect thing. Yep. And I think again, to go back to that medical model is we've been really taught problem, give it a solution, give it a pill, give it a treatment. Um, and because this nervous system stuff is multifactorial, it isn't just about the trauma that occurred to you or the event or the scary thing. It's like, what was your upbringing? Like, what were your conditions? Like, do you feel safe expressing this, but not that mm-hmm. do you have, a, do you have a safe home to go back to, to do this work? Mm-hmm. One of the things that really stops people in their tracks is when they um, are so uh, dependent on their relationships due to finance, mm-hmm. all the things, um, religion, fear of leaving, being ostracized because whatever, you know, and they stay in those relationships and they do the work, but then they come back into the toxic soup. Oh gosh. Yes. 
that's really hard for me mm-hmm. when I was in private practice. And if I ever should open up my private practice again, I don't know how I will do it, but there will have to be some kind of, you know, contract that says, I don't know how I would do this, but this won't work if you aren't willing to make some changes with your immediate environment. Yeah. How you're feeding yourself with your Mm. routines of movement. And because again, the nervous system stuff doesn't exist in a vacuum. You have to also, it's like, it's like a garden. It's a terrain thing, you know? You can feed the garden all the great nutrients, but if you don't give it any sun or water, it's not going to go very far. Right. Yeah. Mm. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah. Um, So closing up, which is surprising at this point, um, (laughs) what are you, we didn't really get into how so much. um, So I don't know if you want to spend a few minutes about how, and you have some really great solutions to the mm-hmm. how, uh, through your years and years of mm-hmm. practice and all the new things that you're learning too. So I, I'd love to hear that if you'd like to share. Yeah. Well, the how is really, um, almost like an algorithm that I've created because mm. when I stopped private practice, it was because I saw that a lot of people needed a base level foundation of understanding, like the theory, mm-hmm they needed homework that they could do to practice getting into their bodies, tracking this peripheral nervous system, this autonomic nervous system, their movements. They needed to relearn how to reconnect with the environment, um, orient to it. Um, And then they needed, depending again on their history, to work with levels that I call the stress organs. So in the work that I do with my students where I'm not really, I'm not connecting with them in person, it's all right now online, all courses, and they work really beautifully is we're teaching the person, the human, all these things. So it's kind of like getting a master's degree in your physiology, Mm. but also in um, your, your movement science, the art of how everything works. And the reason why I structured it this way, as opposed to this is a course for healing anxiety, or this is a course for healing fibromyalgia or whatever, is because when you really look at the root, everyone needs that same foundation, that same terrain and all those elements. And for most of the, for most people, just getting that on board, build enough capacity that they actually start to emote what has been stuck or release the procedural memories that have been stuck Mm -hmm. or start to feel safety because of their early trauma. Um, So the how isn't so much a list of do this and do this. It's kind of, I mean, I think in holograms, it's not just a directive. It's a lot of things happening at the same time so that a person is inching forward, Mm. inching forward, inching forward, kind of like um, the best description is it's like learning a second language as an adult or a language for the first time. Like a baby doesn't learn their language in a year, right? They, Mm -hmm. They hear it, they see the mouth, they start to talk, they figure out how to express, how to coordinate the breathing, when the right things should be said, the intonation, that's the best way I could describe. It's like learning another language and language isn't just the letters. Yeah, it's experiential. 
It's ex exactly mm -hmm. plus the theory and understanding yeah, exactly. the patterns. And yeah. so that's the how. Um, it's not traditional. It's not the kind of therapy that you would see if you were to come and do a somatic session. Because even this is the other thing working with a somatic practitioner, it's not something that you just do once. Mm. It can be years. Yeah. Like years. Yeah. That's where I was like, this isn't efficient to work with a person one-on-one -on -one every week for five years. And I've seen more results in those that have gone through my online programs than what I saw when I was in private practice. Yeah. What are the four elements? Time, consistency, repetition, support. Those are there the four go. things that I've. Yeah. yeah. Repetition Same. is huge. Yeah. Consistency. Um, yeah. And really, and a beginner's mind, mm -hmm. mm. you know, that that's what I also see people get into trouble with is, I mean, if we think about nutrition and exercise, you don't just do that for four weeks and stop. Right. It, it's constant. Mm -hmm. And again, I think we've kind of medicalized trauma as something that to be fixed in a moment and then that's it. And that's the worry I have with a lot of the quick fixes, the toning exercises, the plant medicines is there isn't a padding and a foundation and a, an aftercare plan. It, in my opinion, and, and I think a lot of people would agree if they've tried to do those, is it just unravels? Yeah. It's just, it's again, it's like, learn, you know, New it's Year's right. resolutions, yeah. go on a diet for four weeks and yeah. you got to keep going. You got to keep adding. Totally. Like recreating unsafety. It's like this constant recreation of unsafety. Again, and cool, exactly. And the cool <laughs> thing is that safety and capacity, they just keep growing. Mm, yeah. Right. There, I don't think there's any end to how much capacity it's infinite. Yes. Yes. Again, I think we've sold humans have sold themselves short in terms of like how far they can achieve with their creativity, with their body. But we know, I mean, we're, we're amazed when we watch someone that has phys absolute physical prowess, you know, Olympics and mm -hmm. these crazy people that do all mm -hmm. sorts of things. It's like, you see, like, that's the human, you're a human, you have the, I mean, maybe not genetically based on size, but we all have the, the capacity to do pretty big things. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, we're so stuck in these survival responses that we can't see past just getting the basics down. But when the basics come down, and I've seen students just get so creative when they've got their regulation back because they felt like, I mean, it's an alignment thing. Mm -hmm. They actually start to express what their soul is meant to do uniquely here on planet earth, as opposed to just the routine that I think so many of us have just accepted. Yeah. hundred percent. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for your expertise. Um, um, what, um, what are you working on right now? Where can people find you? Well, there's a few things that are always kind of happening. Um, right now I'm in a 12 week program with students. Um, it's called smart body, smart mind. Um, we typically run that once a year. And so all that's on my site, you can read about it, get on the wait list for when we run it again. Um, the other program that can be started at any time is the 21 day nervous system tune up. That's a more basic, but still foundational course. 
And then the other things I'm working on, um, I'm trying to get a book proposal written. I've been trying to do that for four years. So I'm <laughs> hoping to do that this summer and take a writing sabbatical. And then uh, the other thing that I'm really trying to focus on is a teacher professional school training. Oh, fabulous. So yeah. that is a much bigger enterprise. Um, trying to figure out what that might look like, how it can be created so that it's like an actual training, not just a certificate program, not yeah. just a three month. It's you a know, whole other conversation too. <laughs> yes, it is. Don't get me started. I mean, that's actually an important point for those that are new to this work. There is no governing body for me or any of our colleagues. Those of us where those who are where I am at, we have followed a path because we've had to find it. There's no medical school for this stuff. And that's where one has to be very discerning about how, who they work with, because most of the folk who I see who are purporting to be nervous system experts, specialists, if you go to their websites, there are zero credentials. Mm -hmm. Trust me, if you have credentials, you show them because it took a lot to get them. Mm. And so if there's no credentials on a person's site, ask. And if they say, oh, I did a workshop here with this person, that is not training. Mm. And so be very discerning, ask questions, because um, this is very, like I said, someone can go and do a shaking thing and end up in the hospital. Mm -hmm. And I think we're kind of playing, we're, we're in a very embryonic time with this work. Yeah. So that's, that's a big, that's a big piece that I'm yeah. out right now. Right. Yeah. yeah important thank you again i really appreciate our time together and you are amazing oh thanks thanks for having me my pleasure whoa <laughs> that convo went really deep and we touched on so many different issues i feel like that um that one podcast could have been broken into like maybe 10 or 20 but i do um, I love the way that Irene talks about the nervous system. She's been around, like she said, for a while. Um, she was uh, trained with some really well-known um, experts and scientists and researchers all about the nervous system. And the nervous system, like I said, I'm going to say it again, was one of the key factors um, that allowed me to heal when I was maybe in a stuck place. Um, and I think it is the, it is very key. Um, what I would love, perhaps if you're listening to this and you, you gained insight in this conversation is to take it one step further and figure out how you can, um, bring in support or talk to a therapist or talk to a coach or some, someone that can lead you down the path to, um, rewiring. I, you know, I say this a lot, especially on Instagram, rewiring your nervous system. Um, it takes time. It takes time. It takes support and it's all possible. We're all human. Um, and I think Irene was just a really great representation of that and so much great info information in this. And, y'all it's all possible. Um, so if you're feeling stuck and if you're feeling, um, like what you want is impossible or it's far out of reach, it could be just your nervous system telling you that what you want, um, isn't safe for whatever reason. So the first step is really to heal so that you do feel safe in your body. It's amazing. Just amazing things. Right. Um, Lastly, I just want to thank you, as I always do, for being here, being with me, being in this space. I feel your presence, even though I don't see you, and you are so supported here. 
Um, you are seen, you are loved, and I'm so grateful that we can share this time together every week. I'll see you next time.